Hello. Hi, Nico. Hi, Joe. How's it going? Everything is good. I have a question. Um, is it okay if I use headphones? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me well right now? I yes, I can. All right, great. Yeah, it works for me. <laughs> I'm plugging in earphones now. Okay. I couldn't find you as the weekly sit-down, so I'm glad you called me. Really? It didn't show up? It didn't show up. That's weird. It worked for, um, we've done Skype like three or four times, and they were able to find us. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, weird. I'm all set up. I have the uh, earplugs in, so I'm good to go. Awesome. How's your day going? Uh, my day was really, really hectic, but good. Yeah, I hear you. I just, I just got home like ten minutes ago, <laughs> mm. and I just got now, to the studio. Oh, great! Now, Joe, I, I'm, I'm, um, I didn't get a chance to look at, you know, just do any research on you guys. Is there anything in particular you want to touch base on, or just tell my story? <laughs> <laughs> well, I. What what the show is all about is like every week we like to have someone from a different walk of life on and just tell us about how they got to where they are and where they want to go. Okay. You know. Sounds great. Yep. All right. So I mean I'm recording now and I'm just gonna cut it up and go from there. We could start whenever okay. we want. Okay. All right. Cool. So I I actually met someone that you know. Do you know Tara Ackaway? Oh wow! Uh, it's she sounds familiar. Um, I've I've met so many people, Joe, yeah. but it's hard for me to put a name with a face. Yeah, she's a publicist. I met her through um, Shaper, also the app. Oh wow! Yeah. And she said she knew you. She said she's done work for you before. She's a publicist. Tara Ackerman. Ackaway. Tara Ackaway. Maybe mm. she did. I we we've been in business for for a little while now, so she's probably. Um, She's probably right on point with her information. Yeah. All right. So I think we could just start with what do you do? Like, who are you, Miko? <laughs> well, my name is Miko Branch, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Miss Jessie's, uh, the natural hair care uh, products um, company that I created with my sister, Titi Branch. And uh, we're a unique company in that we started our business from scratch. Uh, there were no loans, no angel investors, and no special contacts, but together uh, with our God-given talent, we were able to partner up and uh, create wonderful magic. And, and we're particularly known for our hair products for curly, kinky, and wavy hair. And what does uh, your product do to them? Do the hair strains it out. Well, it does. Yeah. So, uh, Miss Jessie's products uh, does a little bit of something for anyone who has textured hair, whether your hair is curly, kinky, or wavy. Mm. We have everything from shampoos to styling products to conditioners, and uh, it's been our goal to make something for everyone. Uh, most most of us uh, have textures that are are different and unique. And um, in our business, we're lucky to be able to make product for an endless uh, set of uh, textures. So we, we consider ourselves to be lucky. Awesome. Definitely. So when did you guys get started? How long have you been in business? Well, Titi and I opened our business in 1997. We're native New Yorkers. And we opened our beauty business in the Borum Hill section of Brooklyn originally in 1997. Uh, eventually, we moved our business to the Bedford Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn, and that's actually where the magic uh, really began. We we really focus on curly, kinky, and wavy hair, and we became experts uh, right there in in Bed Stuy. Um, so we've been in business since 1997, and uh, we're still uh, going strong. Wow, that's awesome! Did you guys start off? How did you start off? Just selling your own product like one product yeah so uh initially we have uh we had a hair salon and our hair salon uh served as our serves because it still does as our r&d so we're able to test product but we became we, we decided to become experts at curly kinky and wavy hair so that's where it all began 
And before we were carried in Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS, uh, Titi and I took to our kitchen table and we actually mixed our product from scratch uh, in, brown, in our Bedford Stuyvesant brownstone. And Joe, the reason why we had to do that was because there was nothing on the market that could really perform in the way that we needed it to um, in terms of product. Yeah. So luckily we were, um, as young Titi Amigos, we were able to sit around our grandmother, uh, Jessie May Branch, and she made practically everything at her kitchen table from scratch. And at our grandmother's house, you couldn't sit around her without being a, a good helper. And good, the good helpers that we were, we were able to later as adults tap into all that 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 experience that we learned at her kitchen table, and we were able to lend that to our own product and mix our own uh, jars of curl magic, and we learned it from our grandmother. That's so. That's such a nice story. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she. Uh, so you guys are patented, like you have your own t- patented formula. Uh, yeah. Yep. So all of our products are trademarked. So that means that um, there is no other curly pudding, uh, you know, Miss Jet. There is no other Miss Jessie's curly pudding in this world. Wow. So and you you said you're in a lot of stores, right? CVS and. I definitely think we're in a lot of stores, considering mm-hmm. that we started off in our kitchen yeah. uh, in in the Bedford Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn, and we, you know, our goals and aspirations were to really make product just so we could make good on the promises we were making to our our customers and our clients. Um, We mixed product till we couldn't mix it anymore. Uh, We were, the orders were coming in quicker than we could make the product. Uh, Eventually we, we started selling um, on PayPal. Then we sold in a local a thrift store in, in the Fort section, a Fort Greene section of Brooklyn called Soda Fine. And then eventually Ricky's, which is around a 25 uh, store channel chain store, carried it. And then eventually we finally got the call from Target. And anyone who knows anything about doing business with a large retailer, once you're in one large retail chain, um, you're in the next. And then we got the call from Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Sally's, and et cetera. Wow, that's so cool. So you just expanded from there. Where did you guys start off from, though, selling just word of mouth? Yep. So we have, still have, and uh, originally had a salon. And at the time, there weren't many hair salons that were focusing on curly hair. So uh, we were quickly becoming experts at curly, kinky, and wavy hair. And very, very soon, we started mixing product. Thank God. This was all happening during the time of the internet age. And at the time, uh, communication online were were called chat rooms. (laughs) And women were talking and we were making products in our house. And uh, word got around. And before the word viral was a word, (laughs) in the early 2000s, uh, my sister and I were fortunate enough to make product during this time. So how did we do it and how did we get started? Uh, we were making wonderful products. We were doing amazing uh, hair, offering wonderful solutions for curly, kinky, and wavy hair. But with the, the the help of the Internet, we were able to spread the word. So before you know it, we were busy. Our phones were ringing um, all the time. That's so exciting probably for you. How old were you at the time when you first started? Uh, when we started to get serious about curly hair, I just turned 30. I might've been 29 or 30. Wow. Just, it's right where I'm at. I'm almost there. Oh, young man. I need to be, uh, I need to be getting in some stores by now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you asked for it and you'll certainly get it. Yeah, for sure. So what is the goal? Where are you trying to go with it? Just getting into more stores? Well, distribution, yeah, distribution always complements a business um, like like ours that makes product. Um, But certainly, you know, just coming up with more solutions for people who have challenges or who want, you know, who want help with their hair is still uh, very near and dear to us. Um, In addition to making products and, and solutions for hair, my sister and I also thought that it was time that we uh, put out a new product, and that product is called Knowledge. And we realized that we were influencers 
um, four people who wanted to embrace their natural and curly hair. And we thought with that same influence, we had another story and another product. And that product is called Knowledge, as I mentioned. So what we did was we put our experience as entrepreneurs in a book. And my sister and I wrote a book together to share how we did it, how we built this business from scratch. And we felt like there are so many more Titi Amicos in this world. And if they just heard our story, we would see many more entrepreneurs. So um, yeah, I, I found I... myself... Oh, yeah. sorry. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's I okay. think a lot I... of people are just scared to get out there, put their own product out there because they're afraid to fail maybe. I think so. And, and again, I think when people hear a story that might be similar to their to their story or similar to their lifestyle, it gives them that, that nice push and that nice nudge that they need in order to, to do it. And Titi and I, we're from New York. Uh, we consider ourselves to be regular girls. And uh, we believe that there's a commonality in all of us. And if someone just learned, you know, what that commonality is, that might be the encouragement someone needs to do it them to do it themselves. That's such an awesome message. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you guys are just 50-50 partners and going with it like that? Yeah, we uh, we we are sisters first. Mm-hmm. So there's always been a sister um, dynamic in play. Titi is the older sister. I'm the younger sister. So before we knew about partnership agreements and and divvying up um, parts of the business, we just went into it fifty fifty, and that has pretty much worked for us. Um, my sister Titi passed away in uh, December of 2014. Oh my uh, God, so I'm w- sorry, I didn't realize that. That's okay. Um, but when I speak about her, as you see, um, I speak about Titi Branch in the present tense because she's just so present and she's so much a part of me. So um, she still is a 50% owner in our business. And um, I made it my business to make sure her legacy lives on. And she created such a wonderful body of work um, in Miss Jessie. So I'm, I'm so excited to be able to spread uh, the good word, not only about our product, but about uh, TT Branch and um, the wonderful experience that I had with her. Yeah, she lives on always. She does. Great. Um, I guess I'll go back to um, your background. What did you what were you doing before you got into Jessie's? <laughs> so I uh, I have a background in fashion design. Uh, I'm a New Yorker again, and I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology. And the day I graduated, I realized that I was not cut out for a career in fashion. And it was really it was really clear to me because the projects took too long. And in order for me to be my own boss in the fashion game, I would need a lot of capital or at least enough capital to be able to bring my project from soup to nuts. And that was too much of a challenge for me as a a 20 year old. So I decided to do something that I was good at, something that I I loved, something that was still creative, but also something that would pay me in a matter of hours versus long projects or months or years before I saw the fruits of my labor. So, uh, you know, when I went to fashion school, it was a great experience, even though I didn't go into a career in fashion, it gave me the experience to understand what I did not want to do. And thank God I was paying attention to that as a younger Miko. What was it? What was it that turned you away from fashion? Oh, many things. The yeah. long hours um, in uh, draping, draping class, pattern making uh, was really not a lot of fun. And also fashion, the Fashion Institute of Technology focuses on the technical side primarily of the fashion business. Um, so that exposure to that part of the fashion business wasn't that sexy and alluring to me. And somehow I imagine that, you know, a career in, in, in fashion meant a whole bunch of glamour, but the behind the scenes and the technical side of it, it you know, it just, it somehow turned me off so much that I was clear that I just didn't want to do it. Maybe had I gone to another school like Parsons that focuses more, um, 
and I don't know if they still do, but focuses on the creative side of it. Maybe I might have had a different experience, but on the technical side, that just, it just turned me right off. Yeah, I was so, going to say, nowadays, uh, fashion design is all on the computer, I'm sure, right? There's nothing. I, I'm sure it's a different experience, and I'm sure um, there might be some ease to it that, that you know, it, it didn't lend, that, that wasn't lent to us um, in the early 90s. But it was a good experience, and believe it or not, I'm still able to uh, implement many things that I learned at FIT visually, um, methodically, and how to get a project done. Um, but I may, I was able to do it and apply it in an area um, that just came naturally to me and that I, I knew that I loved. So I, I believe I got the best of both worlds. Yeah, definitely. So you, so what happened from there? You left fashion. <laughs> I left fashion, and the day I graduated from FIT, I enrolled in hair school. And I went to school on 34th Street, beauty school on 34th Street, and I did a seven-month course. And I waitress and I uh, tempted and was a receptionist at the time to help pay for school, for beauty school. I graduated, and I worked at a few salons where I learned many different skills. And um, I was able to work side-by-side side with some very talented stylists. Um, but very soon, my, my, the entrepreneurial fire in my belly kicked in, and I realized that it was time for me to do my own thing. And some of the imperfections that I saw, you know, at salon level working for other people, I thought that if I just only had my own operation, um, I could make it what I wanted it to be. And that operation turned out to be uh, one chair, uh, one chair operation in my apartment that I shared with my sister Titi. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing hair in the house. Wow! And, and just having friends and family and friends come over. Just having mm -hmm. friends and family, and then I picked up a few clients along the way when I worked outside of the industry, and I got a chance to really hone in on my craft. So by the time I was doing hair in the house, I was a pretty season hairstylist. Um, and the reason why is because a styling just came naturally for me. It was just God given to me. But the, the, the real beauty in my talent came when I partnered up with my sister. And my sister uh, was a producer, a field producer at Eyewitness News in New York City. And Titi ended up leaving her job. And she ended up opening a agency that repped artists. And artists, um, it was everyone uh, from photographers, makeup artists, a lot of the behind the scenes talent for any kind of uh, production. And it wasn't until TT and I decided to partner together and I became TT's client that uh, money and success started to happen. Yeah, you guys started, you teamed up, you worked together. <laughs> that's right. And, and the, the, the magic was definitely the partnership. And Titi was a great communicator. She was a great organizer. And she called every single person in New York City and wanted to know if they needed a hairstylist. And finally, Ashley Stewart, which is a, a, a retail chain for full-figured women, uh, said, yes, they need a stylist. And I worked on an ad campaign for one week. And I made $8,000. And with that $8,000, Titi and I basically split it 50-50. And it was actually Titi who thought we should take this money and open our own salon. So that salon was where it really began and, and became really real for us as, as business partners wow, in that, 1997. That one job just started you right there, you could say, I guess. It did, but there was so much that uh, was put into that one job. That one job, by the time I did it, I had already been excellent at as, as a stylist. Titi was already pretty seasoned in her abilities to secure work for me. So it was all of our hard work that we put in um, that finally came to fruition with that, mm. with that one gig. So, yeah. So you started it right there you, with the eight grand and then what? <laughs> we, uh, we found a salon in the Borm Hill section of Brooklyn. It was a two chair salon and um, we did everything from sanding the floors to painting the walls we went to thrift stores uh, without a lot of capital, with only that $8,000. We paid for our, our lease. We bought some um, beauty supplies. We bought beauty 
salon equipment. And within, a, if, within one month, we made a profit. And it was clear to us that this was something that we could succeed in. So we stayed the course. And uh, luckily we did. So within maybe a year and a half of successful business, my sister and I got really, really bold. And we made a move two blocks up. And two blocks up could be so different, you know, in a place like Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're getting. <laughs> Not at all. And uh, it didn't occur to us that two blocks could make or break our business. And we went and secured a place that was three times the size, three times the rent. And we just didn't have the clientele to support our move. And eventually we ended up getting kicked out of that salon because we could no longer pay the rent and we had a horrible relationship with our landlord. And luckily, uh, Joe, we purchased a brownstone in Brooklyn in 1999. So when we got kicked out of that salon, we were able to refuge to our brownstone. We had to do hair in the house, but thank God we got it because we were able to get our bearings and lick our wounds and figure out what's the next best move. Yeah. I can't, you're so nice. I can't imagine you having a bad uh, relationship with your landlord. (laughs) Oh, it was, it was horrible. Our landlord had made good on some promises to um, take care of the construction and for two girls new in business, every penny counted and, you know, construction can be pretty, pretty pricey. And uh, he just he just went 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 back on his word, and that that was the beginning of the end. So we that didn't work out well for us. Well, you and needed we also, you needed that to happen though to get here, you know that. We you know, did, yeah, yeah, we did. And sometimes when you're going through stuff, particularly as an entrepreneur, you're experiencing hard times. You don't you don't understand why, but in hindsight, I realized that that bad experience was meant to happen because we would have never experienced the success that we you know experienced later had we not failed so early. So you know the 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 message in that experience was be mindful and be careful when trying to grow too fast. And that was a really real experience for us. So as we grew our business and regrouped, we were very, very careful about the moves that we made going forward. So by the time we partnered with a Target or a Walmart, we made sure not to make any fast, big, or hasty moves because we understood very early on as rookies in business, you could lose it all if you're doing things too hastily. Yeah, I mean, that's the life of an entrepreneur. You have to make mistakes, right? And then you have to learn from them. Yep. And, you know, as two young ladies in business in our early 20s, we didn't go to business school and we didn't have any traditional mentors. And uh, we just we just had that spirit, the entrepreneur spirit from our dad. And our dad was a special person in that he thought it was really important his two girls be entrepreneurs. And my dad came out of the civil rights era, so he understood the importance of being in a position of choice, being free. Uh, He just came from, you know, a time when people fought for their rights. So by the time we came along, he wanted us to exercise those rights. And he thought that as two women, the best way we could express that or exercise that was to be our own bosses and to be entrepreneurs. So we had that spirit in us, but we didn't have the formal training. But Joe, when I look back on it, I'm so glad we didn't go to business school. And, and no, we, we, we fell down a lot. Mm-hmm. Had we learned, you know, maybe uh, the traditional approach to doing business, we wouldn't, have, um, we wouldn't have thought outside the box to create something out of nothing. Yeah, every decision you guys did make or didn't make still got you to where you are now. So it all yes, had to happen. You know, um, Steve Jobs quote, he says, um, you can only connect the dots looking backwards, not looking forward. So, mm. so you have to just live right now and, you know, go day by day and then connect the dots looking back. You know, I'm, re- I'm really learning to trust, you know, the experience and go through the process. And I find when I'm less rigid, you know, as much as I want to be careful on the front end, and I find I find I try to do everything I can to be careful on the front end. 
I find as a more experienced Nico, I'm learning to lean in and just embrace everything that's happening. And even though I may not understand the reasons why, I've learned to trust that, you know, it's for the best and um, everything happens for a reason and just keep moving through it. And eventually, you know, I'll get my answers. Yeah, definitely. That's good advice right there. Mm-hmm. So where where were we though? We were you were in the brownstones now, and you were creating right, like trial and error. We were trial trial and error, and uh, we created a product called Curly Pudding. And Curly Pudding was so special in that there was nothing like it on the market. I like Keep the name; me. it's so simple. Yeah, it's very simple, <laughs> yeah. and the origins and the story behind curly pudding is really important and it's very near and dear to us. Our grandmother, Miss Jessie, was a great cook and uh, she often mixed a lot of, you know, her food from scratch at her kitchen table. So uh, when it came time for us to create this product line for curly, kinky, and wavy hair, our grandmother passed away in, in 2001 and she was just on our mind. And when it came time for us to name our product, she was so much a part of the process and that we were mixing at our kitchen table. It reminded us of her so much that we named the product Miss Jessie's after our grandmother. And not only did we name the product Miss Jessie's, we also named the actual product after some kind of food that reminded her of us. So curly pudding, curly buttercream, curly meringue, uh, baby buttermilk are all, you know, recipes and, and you know, the typical foods that she would make at her kitchen table. And ironically, now um, there's a market that's been created. Tiki and I carved out a niche. And uh, now you're not a player unless you have some kind of food reference. But that food reference all came from our grandmother, Miss Jessie, and us, us missing her, remembering her and honoring and everything that she taught us. So she made, a, she made a lot of sweets. Sounds like <laughs> she made a lot of sweets, and ultimately through us, uh, we were. She used to make us happy, and ultimately we were able to make a lot of people happy when it came to their hair. So it, it's a really nice experience. Definitely, definitely. Um, so you, so that was the first one, uh, curly pudding. Curly pudding was the first one, and another tidbit about curly pudding, Titi and I had been mixing a lot of things at our kitchen table, but it was actually Titi who stayed up later than me um, in the night because I, I, at the time, and I still am, was a single parent, so after I'd work all day, I would sleep at night. I was so tired because I would work, and then I would play with my son, and then I was exhausted. I would go to sleep. But Tiki stayed up later than I did, and she just kept mixing and mixing. And one day, 3 o'clock in the morning, Titi came into my apartment. She woke me up, and she showed me what we would all now know to be curly pudding. And uh, Titi cracked that nut, and it was such a wonderful, wonderful breakthrough for people who want, wanted to wear their hair curly without adding any chemicals. So curly pudding is purple. It smells yummy. Um, the packaging is lovely. Um, it, it's just all, all sorts of goodness in a, in, a, in a jar. So that was our first product. And then we had many more to come after that. Curly Meringue is our second product. It smells like pina colada. And um, it's a lighter version of curly pudding. And um, it's yellow and it's, it's, it's a nice meringue consistency. And then after that, the buttercreams came, and the buttercreams are excellent moisturizers and so on and so forth. We just kept on coming out with wonderful products. And um, eventually, you know, we, we started mixing and created an industry right there in our, in our brownstone, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we were doing production in our basement. You know, we mixed, we filled, we capped, we labeled, we picked, we packed, we shipped. And we did that until there was no more room in the brownstone. And eventually, we had to get a uh, warehouse in the Navy Yard section of Brooklyn, a 5,000-square-foot uh, warehouse. And uh, we 
work there until we, you know, outgrew that. And then finally, right before Target called, we were lucky enough to outsource our business. And it was two parts of our business that we outsourced. We outsourced the um, manufacturing, and then we also outsourced the, um, the fulfillment. And that was huge. So by the time Target called us, we were able to support that new partnership. There would be no way in the world we could mix that many jars of curly pudding. Yeah, not in your brownstone. Not, not <laughs> at all. Or in your warehouse. <laughs> not at all. So we didn't have that infrastructure for that kind of volume. So, again, I think God was – I know God was really looking out for us. Uh, are you of a big religious into – um, you know, I, 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 I'm big in that. I know that there's a God and I know that he looks out for me and, um, God is universal. It's, it's whoever you think your God is. And I know he's real and, and I've learned to trust in him. So I'm spiritually connected to him and, um, I, I'm very comfortable with my relationship with him. Yeah. You think, you think he's a guy you're saying him a lot. Um, him could be her, you know, I think mm -hmm. that, uh, God is a more supreme being. I think for shorthand, I'm using the word him. Mm -hmm. Um, but it could be her. I think, um, it's all him. Him is her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Genderless, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I think that, that, that might be right. Mm -hmm. I like those kind of questions like that. Uh, those, the questions mm -hmm. you don't really have an answer to you just wonder. <laughs> So from, where was I though? Oh, I was, my question was, do you, so was, are your products all natural or are they organic or what separates them from the Yeah, so our, I, yep, that's a good question. Our products are made for women who want to embrace their natural and curly hair, but our products are not uh, natural in that when you're putting products on the on the shelf in Target and Walmart, you you want them to not have mold, and you want them to not you want them to be able to sustain. So um, we partnered up with some wonderful wonderful chemists, and um, we make sure our products are tested and have the just right amount of um, ingredients to preserve our products so they perform and um, and they're they're safe. Yeah, I think I need to get my cousin on um, maybe the pudding because she, oh, she, that would be she always has this curly hair and she has to sit there with a straightening iron uh, or straightening flat iron. I don't, I'm not, the flat iron? Yeah, yeah, she sits with that for an hour or two and it's just like, I don't know. There's got to be another yeah. way. Yeah, you know, and one more thing about Miss Jessie's products is the wonderful thing is is you get a great result without the use of chemicals. And, you know, that's a distinction that needs to be made. And a lot of times when you're getting results, um, you have to introduce some form of heat like your cousin or, you know, oftentimes you have to introduce chemicals. So, you know, our products being made, you know, to support women who want to wear their hair natural and curly is a wonderful combination because they're able to do it without, you know, physically or not physically without permanently altering their hair. So we're really proud of that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm going to talk to my cousin. She's going to get into this. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what was I going to say? From when you were in the brownstone, so you were cook. You were messing around with, I guess, mixing other hair products and stuff. And we were to make yeah, into yours. Yep, we were mixing a little bit of this with a little bit of that because we would use products and some of the products we liked, but it maybe was too crunchy, maybe it was too oily. So in order for us to get what we wanted, we had to sit down and create it ourselves, and then we had to add on and subtract out. So that process, um, that was a long process because we'd never sat down and did anything like that before. But it was really needed because, you know, uh, curly hair comes in so many different textures. It could be a loose wave or it could be a tight curl. And sometimes it could even be a kink, you know. So products that work were really key. And the only thing we knew was we knew that there were products that we liked and we knew that there were products that we didn't like. Or we knew the properties that we didn't like and the products that we did 
yeah. like. So it required us to make uh, make it happen and, and, and mix it ourselves. And you said she was up till three in the morning. Yeah, Titi, Titi had a little bit more energy than I did at the time. And, uh, and she was just incredibly smart and incredibly creative. And she came up with the just right formula. So, you know, Titi, shout out to Titi Branch, who created something so revolutionary. Definitely. It, can I ask how she passed or is that bad? Well, <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, her death, yeah, her death was reported as a suicide. Oh, wow. And although, yeah, although I wasn't there in the moment that Titi passed away, um, I can say that Titi suffered from uh, depression and mental illness. So that was a long battle that she had. But um, it's still unclear to me exactly what happened in her moment of death. Mm. And um, I would hate to claim uh, something that, you know, something that, happened and I, I wasn't I wasn't there to really know the facts so you know wow. her death was reported as a suicide but um you know Titi while she was on this earth she was such a great uh asset and contributor um not only to me as her little sister um but to many many people you know Titi was very giving very caring Titi was also extremely intelligent and smart and she was also very beautiful Titi was a pretty woman and uh, she had a lot of great attributes and I know so many people who if they just had one they would be um they would be satisfied you know or at least pleased um with that one attribute and you know although Titi had many qualities that were um worth worth knowing about she struggled um she struggled inside so during our book yeah during our book tour i'm able to tell tg's story um every time someone buys a jar of curly pudding they're able to experience tg's magic but i'm able to also talk about my awareness of mental illness and depression as a result of my sister's death Mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to and I believe that TT didn't pass away in vain you know I believe that somehow along the way through TT's story because she appeared like she had it all I think that maybe her story um, may have saved uh, a good many lives so um, creating lemonade out of lemons is something that um, we've learned to do along the way just as entrepreneurs and I made it my business to um, utilize Titi's experience as a wonderful human being mm. and also her experience with mental health um, issues and, and depression as one that could be um, that can continue to be helpful others yeah she definitely lives on now she mm-hmm. uh so you said you're spreading awareness for mental health issues is that what you said or you're trying to yes yep so i i speak on um mental illness and depression um it's it's just a topic that's near and dear to me now um in connection to my sister and um i'm on book tour as we speak And I not only talk about our experience building our business from scratch, um, I also talk about Titi and her experience and that topic um, of mental illness and depression often opens up a larger conversation. So, you know, I love the conversation and um, my speeches and, and my interactions with people just kind of take on a life of its own and it usually turns out to be something really nice. I'm sure it does. Do you have um, social media? Like how can we check you out on there? Yep. So I'm only on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my name is Miko and you can find me Miko branch, M I K O B R A N C H. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And then also to learn more about our products, um, check out Miss Jessie's. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we're Miss underscore Jessie's, M-I-S-S underscore J-E-S-S-I-E-S. 
and um, you'll, it's a community, so you'll see other women who have all different kinds, not only women, women, men, and kids, who have all different kinds of textures, and um, you'll learn some fun information on MissJessies.com. But to learn more about me, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Branch. Awesome. I was going to say, um, are these only for women? But you said guys too, right? It's definitely for guys. It's definitely for guys too. Um, it's not uncommon for the guys to use the product when they see it in their girlfriend's bathroom. And now we have so many men who just buy the product because honestly, it works like no other. And for any guy who has curly, kinky, or wavy hair, we all, whether you're male or female, we all want something that's going to perform, and, and, and that would be Miss Jessie's. Definitely. I don't have curly hair, but maybe I could use it for something. Maybe moisture, <laughs> some moisturizer. Yeah, absolutely. You could use our shampoos, our shampoo. There's one in particular that I think you may love. It's called Super Slip Fuzzy Shampoo, and it smells yummy, and it gives you a lot of suds. A little bit goes a long way, and um, a lot of guys like it. I'm going to check it out. I like that. I like all your names. They're all just really catchy names. Like I, You like to say them. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. So cool. So do you have – so what is the future? So we're getting towards the end here, but um, – yeah. The- where are you going? Where is Jesse's brand going? Well, Miss Jesse's, uh, we certainly make products for curly, kinky, and wavy hair, and we feel like our job is not undone, uh, is not done, excuse me. So we have certainly more products to make for all hair textures. But Miss Jesse's is a brand. Uh, Miss Jesse's is, is known, and it's a trusted brand. So it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't uh, be a far idea for us to um, embark in maybe skincare or makeup or something fun like that. Uh, the brand is is recognizable, so um, I think in anything that we we do in connection to beauty, I think it'll be a, a wonderful success as well. Definitely, I I think it will be too. You guys, you seem like you know what you're doing now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what? Thank God. I love what I'm doing. And I've been doing this for a few years now. And it's good for me, myself as an entrepreneur. And especially after all I've been through. One thing that I can say is, you know, up to this point, I, I know what I'm doing. But and you know, in all honesty, there's still so much more for me to learn. And that's the, the typical life of an entrepreneur. You never know every single thing. You know, there's always something else to learn. And it never gets boring. So I'm just so happy that I stayed the course with um, with this with this club, you know, called um, Entrepreneurship. Are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? You know who he is? I don't. Oh, okay. He's like, he really pushes being an entrepreneur and stuff on all his social media. And he talks about how um, you're gonna, you need to go that route nowadays so you can make all your money off social media and just live the any life you want to do basically that's Mm. what that's what he's all about well you know what he sounds a lot like my dad and i you know i have a a little difference of opinion in that you know being an entrepreneur is not for everyone but i certainly think that it's an experience that everyone should have i think some people may not think it's for them and if they try it they'd love it and some people think that they're cut out to be their own bosses. And once they experience it, they realize, you know, that's not actually the case. I've found that as an entrepreneur, it made me, it forced me to square off with who I am and what I'm made of and, you know, what I'm good at and also what I'm not good at. And I think that, you know, through that experience, I think that I learned to, to know myself a, a bit better. So I think with that experience, I think everyone should try it, you know, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with working for someone. Um, How wonderful that is to be able to do your job, get your money, and then, you know, your problems or or you have no problems after five. That's certainly, you know, a wonderful situation. But, you know, becoming an entrepreneur or experiencing being your own boss is something I think everyone should try. Who's not going to like making their own hours, being their own boss and doing something you actually love so you don't really feel like you're working? 
Yeah, well, you know what? That that experience that you just mentioned um, is for someone who chose something that they love and for someone who's experiencing success in their in their choice to be an entrepreneur. There's another side to that experience in that when things go wrong, you're responsible for everything. You can't pass the buck to anyone else. When you fail, the failure is typically all on you or strongly connected to you. And that's the part I think that tends to be scariest for most. And, you know, you typically you eat what you catch. And that for some people could be a lot of pressure. So if we were all successful at, at, at being our own bosses, I think more of us would do it. But I think I know and I don't think the experiences is 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 far more um, more balanced in that you'll have your fair share of uh, failures in addition to successes if you stay the course. It's just learning how to navigate through. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to learn that with this podcast. I'm trying to, you know, make this blow up so I could be my own boss. Well, this. you already are your own boss just by you having it. And I, you, you've done the hardest part which is getting started and you're even past the hardest part and that you're doing it. So everything else um, should be cream from, from this point on. <laughs> I hope so. For some reason, I don't <laughs> think it's just going to be cream though. It's going to be a lot of other stuff. <laughs> but um, okay. So we usually end the um, episode on if you have like a message for the world, if you only had a few seconds, like 20 seconds to tell the world and they were all listening, what would you tell them? What a wonderful experience uh, I'm having as an entrepreneur. Mm. My experience is wonderful because I'm able to experience the good with the bad. And at the end of the day, it gives me a well-balanced um, overall journey in, in my life and, and work. Um, and I, I recommend it for anyone. You know, becoming an entrepreneur is not just a, a professional experience. It's also a personal experience. And it's a way for you to get to know yourself better. So if, if I could lend my experience, please uh, read our book. We, my sister Titi and I wrote a book about how we did it, how we built our business from scratch. I encourage you to read it. It's called Miss Jessie's Creating a Successful Business from Scratch Naturally. And you can get it at our website, MissJessie's.com, or you can get it on Amazon. Check it out. Awesome. Definitely. I'm going to check that out. Um. All right. I think that's it then. I think that was great. We went. I went. It flew by. It was forty-eight minutes. You're kidding. I <laughs> feels like we. Just, yeah. That that went by really fast. Yeah. Joe, it was it was so nice to talk to you. And if please make me sound great. If you have to edit it, please do so. Yeah. I know sometimes there's sound in the back, mm. and I do a lot of pausing. So if you need to edit it, yes. I won't be mad. No, it was oh. definitely great. I don't see uh I'll, I'll re-listen to it, but I don't think there's any reason to edit anything out. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. It was great talking to you. Okay, are you on social media, Joe? Yeah, we're Weekly Sit Down. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Um, not on Twitter, though. Facebook, Instagram. I will follow you on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook personally. Mm -hmm. Weekly Sit Down. Okay, I will I will look, look you guys up. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I hope to talk to you soon. Okay, Joe, take care. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye. That was Miko. If you noticed, it's just me right here today. No Joey Toro. He's in L.A. No Tolga, as we know. We're all caught up on that. We just get Joey Riz today. I got thrown off today. I was, I got home like 10 minutes before I just had to call her. Freaking hiking, Breakneck Ridge, New York. It's actually the best hike I ever did, but I'm just so tired. Like, I'm really dirty, too. Like, my whole shirt is just brown from dirt. You have to, with these mountains in New York, Breakneck Ridge, you have to actually climb and you're you you feel like you're going straight up at some points you are going straight up and it's scary cuz i'm afraid of heights 
but I notice it's going away now. The more hikes I go on, the less afraid of heights I am. But <sighs> I was on one the other day with uh, my friend Mark, and it, th- there's like a three-foot gap, and then you have to jump over the gap, but straight down is like 20 feet. And I was scared. Just just jumping a little gap that I knew I could get over it was scary. But, I, you know, I did it, you know. No big deal, but freaking scary. <sighs> I got a freaking, I got some stuff in the works. I'm trying to, uh, I'm not even going to mention it now. I'll mention it another day. I'm going to have to go quick. This one's only, I mean, 50 minutes. You got to work if you listen to this to work. But uh, I got some good stuff this week. I'm going away next week. I'm going to the Bahamas. So I won't be podcasting, but I think this week I have like three. We're supposed to have a hypnotist on Wednesday. Today's Monday. There's three, maybe four podcasts this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm going to go right now. I got some other stuff to do. I got to shower. My head's so itchy because it's dirty from freaking hiking. But um, that was Miko Branch, so I hope you enjoyed that. Those products sound cool. I mean, I don't have an exclusive brand that I use for, you know, beauty supplies <laughs> or shampoo or soap, you know. I could get into Jessie's. I have to check it out. Her book sounds interesting, though. How to Build a Business. From scratch, in Brooklyn, in a brownstone. Doesn't get better. All right, guys, I'll talk to you later. Bye.